0: Uh, first Chronicles chapter 11. I'm just kidding. I know you'll be very attentive and will amen and all of that. Because it's proven that the more you say amen, amen. the less the preaching time becomes. So 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And uh, we'll be in the first 18 verses. We won't spend a lot of time, but we will cover uh, them very quickly. Um, hard to believe this is the last message of 20... 18, And uh, I don't know about you, how many of you have already set goals or resolutions for the new year? Well, I hope more of you do. Maybe, I guess. Um, it's a good practice. You know what I've found is every year I try to set some goals and resolutions for the new year, and, and it, I, the Lord just kind of caught me and gave me this thought a while ago. But a lot of times I get so stuck in the rut of making plans for the future. That I forget to reflect back on the year that God has given me and to praise Him for it. And so I hope this morning that just for a few minutes, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna review and then we're gonna rejoice. And I hope that as a church together, we can look back on our 2018 um, and your personal 2018 and you can review what God has done and then you can rejoice in who God has used in your life. We're gonna look at 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Kind of a unique passage, uh, probably not one that you've memorized as a kid or uh, as your life verse. But really 1 Chronicles 11 gives us a summary of some of David's greatest accomplishments in the first half of his life. And so the chapter opens up in verses 1 through 9 with two different monumental achievements by David. In verses 1 through 3 it talks about... How all of the leaders of Israel unified around David's leadership and anointed him as the king. Look at verse number one with me. It says Then all Israel gathered themselves to David, unto Hebron, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And moreover, in time past, even when Saul was king, thou wast he that lettest out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord thy God said unto thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be ruler over my people Israel. Therefore came all the elders of Israel to the king, to Hebron, and David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. Now you have to understand that while First Chronicles doesn't spend a lot of time ...on all of the struggles that led up to this moment, what happened in verses 1 through 3 is a monumental achievement in David's life. In fact, David spent 15 years or so from when he was anointed king by Samuel as a boy... ...all the way up to the time which happened in this passage, he's probably about 30 years old. He spent 15 years waiting for this moment. David was anointed king and then soon after he found himself on the run for his life from the man who he thought would be his mentor. He spent most of his days in those 15 years fearing for his life and wondering if he would make it to the next day. And could you imagine how David felt that day when the crown was put on his head and when all of the local leaders of Israel finally recognized that he was the man who should sit on the throne? It was a big day. But not only was it big for David, it was big for the nation of Israel. Because for over 10 years, they had been divided about who their leadership was. They had this crazy man, Saul, who, if you read the book of First and Second Samuel, you'll find out very quickly, that guy was off his rocker, emotionally, and so because of that, he made some terrible leadership decisions. And so what had happened is a nation that was a very strong nation, that should have been a very, very strong nation, began to decline in its strength and its influence, and all the people in the nation saw it except for Saul and so they had been watching their beloved nation go downhill and they had seen this young ruler with potential hoping that someday he would get the throne and finally that day came and all of Israel united around him so he's the 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 chapter tells us how David and uh, David was recognized as the king by the leaders but then in verses four through eight it talks about how David trusted God's promise and set up Jerusalem as the new capital of Israel. Now, that wouldn't sound very exciting to you, but you've got to understand, Jerusalem was well within the bounds that God had said should be the nation of Israel. You'll remember back all the way in Moses' time, God had said, Here's the land that I've promised to you. Go and possess the land. And so Joshua took the people across the river, and they went in and conquered the land, except there were a couple places that they didn't take in God's name. J- Joshua, even as he led the people, he defeated the people that, st- that were at Jerusalem, the Jebusites, but he never took the land, because it was on this hill, and it was a big fortress on a hill, and it just militarily didn't seem like a good idea to storm his army up the hill and take the city. So for all of Israel's history, they never had the capital city of Jerusalem up until this point. And David's first action as king was to set up this like America's got talent thing. I mean, look at it. Look at verse number six. And David said, whosoever smiteth the Jebusites." First, shall be chief and captain. So he says, All right, just somebody go kill all those guys and capture Jerusalem, and whoever does it will be my chief captain. So um, he has a man named Joab who goes up, captures the city of Jerusalem, and takes the city that for hundreds of years Israel had never had in their possession. I mean, can you see what's happening here? That very quickly, as David was anointed king, God was giving him success after success. After success and David could look back on just the short period of time and see some monumental achievements in his life but here's what's interesting I want you to look at verse 9 don't miss this the author stops and says so David waxed greater and greater what's the next phrase church for the Lord of hosts was with him It's like the historian, as he's writing this history, is very careful to say, now listen, David wasn't crowned king because he was an awesome guy. David wasn't a successful military leader just because he had a lot of talent. He says, let me stop and make it very clear that the only reason that David had these successes to claim to his name was because he had the Lord of hosts on his side, and, church, I want to encourage you to look back on your year and to just do this one thing to rejoice in the successes God gave you. Because all of us, I think, if we take some time, can look back on our 2018 and can see some successes that God gave us. We can see some things that God did in our lives. For some of you, you have career successes. You got a raise, you got a, a license or a certification. You started a new career, you got a promotion, or you reached a milestone in your career. Some of you can look back and you can see some family accomplishments. You had a baby, your kid started school, your child accepted Jesus. God added to your family a child or a grandchild or one of your kids who maybe was out of church made a spiritual breakthrough and is back in God's house. Maybe some of you have some spiritual accomplishments. You got saved. You joined the church. You led somebody to Christ. You taught a Sunday school class. You joined a ministry or you read your Bible more than you ever had before. Hey, listen, whatever blessings came your way, I want to encourage you to rejoice in the successes God gave you this year. And to not just think that it was you who did it. But to understand that it wasn't just your talent, or it wasn't just your strength, or your health, or your know-how. That all of that, behind all of your successes, was the Lord of hosts who was on your side and was empowering you the entire way through. I want to encourage you to rejoice in the successes God gave you. But here's the second thought, church. From verses 10 through 19, I want to encourage you to do this. I want you to rejoice in the people who strengthened you. Look at verse number 10. It's like there's the spiritual overture that he gives in verse 19, 9, and then here's verse 10. And these also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king. It's like he gives some military roll call. He talks about David's spiritual accomplishments, how God was with him, and then he starts talking about these random military leaders. But, but I want you to pay attention to this because this isn't written in chronological order. And there's a reason that the author did that. Because here's what he's saying. He's saying that David didn't make it to the throne by himself. That behind David specifically was a group of 30 military mighty men who were with David throughout his whole journey. And if it wasn't for those men, David wouldn't have made it to the throne. That a lot of times we think about how God is empowering us and blessing us in our life. But I think sometimes we forget... That some of those present ways God is with us is through the people that surround us. Yeah, that God blesses us in the greatest ways through the people He puts in our lives. Right. And so he talks about in verses 10 through 14, how these three particular mighty men look at um, verse number 13. And he was with David at pa- past Damim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled from before the Philistines, and they set themselves in the midst of that parcel, and delivered it, and slew the Philistines. And here's what he's saying. David and and the men were surrounded by this Philistine army, and these three men stood there with David, and they soundly defeated the Philistines that day. You know what I'm thankful for? That every success God gave me this year, and every success God gave you, you can look around you, and there was a support system. There was a network. There were friends. There were family that were there to strengthen you. One of the goals I had for 2018 was to ride 1,500 miles on my bike and to do two 100-mile races. And I almost got both of those goals. I had 1,438 miles on my bike. And all of you are probably, or most of you are aware of that. But probably what a lot of you aren't aware of is how pitiful my cycling season wouldn't have been would have been without Mike Puthers, Because there were a lot of days that I got up at dumb 30 in the morning, some terrible time to be awake, and I, I went to the restroom and, and I'd get a text on my phone and Mike would say, you up? <laughs> and I'd want to ignore it and just say no. And so many days when I didn't want to ride my bike, I had somebody there to strengthen me and to get my rear out of bed and to get it on the bike and work out for once in my life. You know what I'm thankful for is that all of us can look around us and there are people who ride alongside of us, aren't there? Yeah. That, that every successful career accomplishment, there was a supportive spouse. Yeah. That every spiritual accomplishment, yes, your child accepted Jesus, and that was primarily probably because of your influence in the home, but there's a support system of Sunday school teachers and spiritual leaders in our church and a pastor and our co-pastor and all sorts of people that are influencing your child towards Jesus. And you can look at all sorts of accomplishments in your life. And church, let me encourage you to thank God for the people who strengthened you because yeah. they were there for you. You know, some of us can look back on our year and, and we might think that maybe this chapter is a little unrealistic because it just highlights all the good times in David's life. In fact, it does. It, First Chronicles leaves out a lot of the struggles that we know of in David's journey to the throne. But when the author starts talking about these mighty men, in verses 15 through 19, he starts talking about not only how they strengthened David in victory but how they strengthened David in the valley. Look at verse number 15. It it talks about, Now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam, and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. It begins to tell this story about how David's trapped in a cave, fearing for his life, And I don't know exactly how it worked out. Maybe they were around a campfire. And David just blurts out, maybe by accident, man, I would love some Bethlehem spring water. Now I don't know if it was like Fiji water or some other fancy pants water that's out there. I don't know what was special about the Bethlehem spring water, but David wanted some. And most people would say, well, that's cool, David. Maybe when we're not in trouble and fearing for our lives, we might get a drink of that water. But then the verses talk about how these three mighty men took this royal request as a command. And they said, you know what, David, we're going to risk our lives, penetrate the front line of the Philistine army, and get you a cup of Bethlehem spring water. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it? It gets a little more crazy. So they go get this Bethlehem spring water, they bring it back to David, And I don't know about you, if I risked my life to get David a cup of water, I'd at least want to see a pleasant expression. I'd at least want him to say, ah, what a great drink of water. But David doesn't do that. David does something totally weird. Look at verse 18 at the end. They took it and brought it to David, but David would not drink of it and poured it out before the Lord. Now... Okay, you're, you're bored with the Bible, apparently. He took the water they risked their lives to get, and he poured it out on the ground in front of their face. And, and that seems really strange to us, but what David is doing in verse 19, he talks about, my God forbid me that I should do this thing, because here's what he's saying. God, I'm so unworthy that I have people who love me so much, who'd risk their lives to get me something as simple as a cup of water. And none of us will understand why David would pour, it out, pour out the water before his friends, But I think all of us in here this morning understand that we're unworthy of the people God puts in our lives. That we have people in our lives who are so good to us, who would fulfill things and and bless us in ways that we would never ask them to, but yet they strengthened us in the valley and they supported us in difficult times and did stuff we would never have asked them to do. Church, your year may not have been perfect. You may not be able to look on All sorts of successes God gave you in 2018. But I guarantee you, even those in here who went through the darkest valleys, you can rejoice in this, that God put some people in your life who strengthened you in the valley. So before we move on to 2019, why don't we just do these two things? Why don't we rejoice in the successes God gave us and rejoice in the people who strengthened us? Every head bowed and every eye closed.